0: and we spent um, some really good time last the last five weeks talking about margin talking about living inside the margins of life what it means to really make room to follow God and, and make room to kind of see and sense and seize those moments that God gives us and that was really good and we got some good feedback on that and then we come into this new series that really follows that pretty well I think um, if I do say so myself and um, And we, our creative team, decided to call it the marks of a follower, and the tagline was more than Twitter and tattoos. And um, maybe you're not a tattoo person or a Twitter person, but uh, I'll talk about a tattoos another day. But this whole idea of Twitter um, and what it means to follow Jesus, and really what we mean by that is to follow Jesus, to be in rhythm with Jesus, And so, first of all, it means slowing down enough to remember that God is in our life every day. And then, beyond that, what does that rhythm look like? And so, uh, it took me, I'll be honest, it took me a year to figure out Twitter. So, I got my Twitter, and I'm like, cool, now what am I supposed to do? And I know, it's really sad. (laughs) And they're like, write stuff. So, I started writing stuff, and then I got some Twitter guru friends that are like, you know, it's just a really good way to get to know people, you can casually follow them, and... You can see what they like. You can see what they're interested in. You can get some snapshots of their life. And you can get their profound or not so profound thoughts in like 140 characters or less. So I'm like, all right. Okay. So then I start doing it. And then I find out about the whole hash mark thing where you can make these searchable things like um, marks of a follower. That's a new hash mark. It's got the pound sign. And then people can like figure that out. They can follow that. So I have a triathlete category, I have a um, church planter category, I have a Jesus category, I have a leadership category, and I have like my eclectic miscellaneous category. So, I love it! It's cool! Now, then you can put the at symbol in, and then you can like mention people. And that's really cool, because then you can, like, you know you're cool if someone else mentions you. And they're like, oh, heard a great talk by Rob T. Jacobson today. Not that you have to write that. Um, So, Anyway, it's starting to be kind of fun for me, before I lose anybody that doesn't love Twitter. um, In light of that, I was just thinking, maybe, you know, if Jesus were to come back today, would he use Twitter? Now, when I read John 1, I see John the Baptist having this band of disciples, people who are following him. And at one point, he stops and he goes, look, there's Jesus, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And two of his disciples, Andrew and a different John, they say, we need to go see Jesus. We need to go check out Jesus. And so they come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, where do you stay? Jesus, where are you staying? Where are you abiding? Where do you live? Where do you reside? And he goes, come and see. Like, come and check me out. Come and get some snapshots of my life. Come and learn about me. And then later, he says, follow them. So the first one sounds an awful lot like, come follow me on Twitter. Just maybe. Maybe. But in light of our Twitter-like world, I think the question of the day is, what does it really mean to follow Jesus? I mean, what does it mean to follow someone? Because I get all this information from all these sources in all these different ways and all these different categories. Sometimes it's really fun. Sometimes it's really overwhelming to sort, process, and integrate all those things. So again, what does it mean to follow someone? Does it mean we learn from them? Does it mean we go where they go or buy what they buy or do what they do? Or do we become like them? And so really, what kinds of people does it mean, like, what kinds of people are we if we are people who follow Jesus? Like, we can't do everything. We talked about that in the margin series. But if our faith and our relationship with God is really important to us, and if we want to make that thing be really beyond an hour on Sunday mornings, and we want to integrate it into our life every day, then, then I think there's some characteristics or some marks of people who follow Jesus. So if you have some that you want to think about, you can actually use Twitter and say, here's what I think they are, and I'd love to read that. But I think the Bible really talks about this. I didn't have to go and search hard to find some Bible verses to support my idea here. All I had to do was insert the words Twitter and tattoo into something that was already timeless, that was already there, and we find it in Colossians 1. And in this little letter to Colossians, we really get this idea. These people had come to believe in Jesus, and they really had no idea what they were doing. So the people of Colossae would be saying things like, does believing in Jesus make a difference in my everyday life? Um, The people in Colossae were saying, you know, there's some Jews, they say this, there's some other people that are Greek, they say this, there's some new Eastern mysticism coming in. We don't know how to sort this all out. We need some help. And that's why Colossians was written. So if you have your Bible, you want to open to Colossians 1. I think it'll be on the screen. Uh, Either way, you might find some things to take notes on. But the writer of this really wants to encourage people that are new to this Jesus thing. So if you're new to this Jesus thing, this is written for you. If you have been doing this Jesus thing a while, what is the word for you today? What is this encouragement for you today? I think we'll find it in Colossians chapter 1. So... I want to pray for us, and then we'll get into it. God, thank you for your word, and that it is timeless, and yet it spoke to a specific situation that we want to not ignore God, but look at. And yet at the same time, Spirit of God, we ask that you um, would open our hearts, our minds, our ears, to hear what you have to say to us from here today. That we wouldn't just hear it, but we would put it into practice, so help us to do that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Colossians 1 says, This is a letter from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle or a follower of Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in Colossae who are faithful brothers and sisters in Jesus. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you and we give thanks to God our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ and your love for all God's people, which comes from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectations ever since you heard the truth of the good news. The same good news that came to you is going from all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives just as it changed your lives the first day you heard and understood the truth about God's Wonderful grace. You learned the good news from Epaphras, our beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about your love for others from the Holy Spirit that is given you. Now, it's kind of like we're hearing one end of a phone conversation if you've been in a house before. I know with mobile phones, it's getting a little less like this. But you know where I grew up, we had a little rotary dial phone that clicked, and I remember when we got our first touch tone, it was quite cool. But it was attached to the wall, and we had a 15 foot cord, and so we had to walk like into another room and try and shut ourselves in the in the um, the closet that you keep all the food in. <laughs> the what <laughs> pantry? Thank you. Oh my gosh, the pantry. And so I'm in the pantry trying to talk to someone. And, and so when it's attached to the wall, we kind of hear one end of the phone conversation. We don't hear the rest of what's going on. It's a little bit like that here. We have to kind of see what was the other end of the phone conversation? What's the story that's going on in Colossae with these new people, this new band of Jesus people. And what we find out is that Colossae is kind of in the middle of Turkey, and it's a really small town. It's got two towns next to it. Um, They're not really suburbs, more like uh, Colossae would be a suburb of them. Uh, One of them's called Hierapolis, and one of them's called Laodicea. Laodicea is actually where the main trade road came through. And now, it went all the way over to Ephesus, west coast. We've talked about Ephesus last few weeks, like modern-day New York. Ephesus was the big metropolis on the coast. Colossae was missed on the trade route, so it became a smaller and smaller and smaller town. Not very influential, kind of a rural place. Now, I grew up in a rural place. And when when you grow up in a rural place, here's what happens. You hear about these really cool trends on the East Coast or the West Coast, and someday they're going to come to your town. And then you hear about them coming to the cities. And then you're like, cool, it's almost here. And then six months later, finally you're in. And if you think you heard about this because you went on a trip and you start tight rolling your pants or wearing baggy pants or whatever you did, and you go into town that way, all of a sudden people are like, unless you can really pull it off, which I couldn't do. So you are always behind the times. So when you're always behind the times, maybe, not, not 100% sure, but maybe you're kind of looking for these trends. So in Colossae, they might have been looking for these trends. And they had some Jews in town that were telling them one thing. They had this new band of Jesus people that were telling them something else. They had the Greek philosophy and the gods and goddesses coming in. And then they had this Eastern mysticism that maybe even coming in. So it's not like they were in error, if you study this. Um, But they were getting a lot of different sources of information from a lot of different people. And they're trying to sort it out. And so, what we think, or what the religious people think, was um, that there were these Jews, not from Jerusalem, but from um, the scattered—they call them dysphoria Jews—that were like saying, "You know, you, you Jesus people, you're not, you're not really God's chosen people because you don't, you don't do the right things, you don't follow the law." And then there's these Greek philosophies. That are, you know, you don't, you don't have all the knowledge that we have. You, you're missing something. And then there's this Eastern mysticism that's like, you know, you, you just don't understand the mysteries of God. And so if you read Colossians and you read, uh, you do searches on like knowledge and you do searches on mystery and you do searches on what this law means, you find that this writer is trying to hit these different things. That's first century. Now Today. Isn't one of the super trendy things to do, especially if you are popular or have some influence to kind of design your own religion? I mean, think about it. Like, I'm going to take a little bit of Jesus. I'm going to take a little bit of Gandhi. I'm going to sprinkle in some meditation. I'm going to pull in some Eckhart Tolle and whatever's on Oprah's reading list, add some prosperity and bam. Like, I have this super supreme, like, religion that has these pieces that I get to choose from. Isn't that what happens? That's what some of the people in Colossae might have been doing. And these Jesus people are really trying to figure out, what do I believe? I mean, what does it mean to follow Jesus? How do I live this spiritual life? And very much like our Twitter-like world where we get so much information coming at us that all the time with short amounts of links, it gets really hard to discern true faith. And so that's what this author is trying to help these people figure out. What is true faith? How do I keep this? What's the main thing here? And he wants to encourage them, but he's never been to the city. In verse 4, it says, uh, or maybe verse 3, verse 4, we've heard about your faith in Christ. Now, I know I'm stretching right now, but, you know, you can just laugh it off. It's kind of like you follow them on Twitter. We heard about what was going on in Colossae. Verse four says, "We heard about your faith in Christ. We heard about your love for God's people, which comes from your hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven." How did they hear about it? Well, we find out in verse seven that the good news came from this guy named Epaphras, his co- Paul's co-worker, He is Christ's faithful servant. He's helping us on your behalf. So. Not only had Epaphras been to Colossae and started the church there, he may have even been from this town. But what does Paul say about what he's heard? That's really what I want to key in on this morning. You know, we're just spending several weeks on this marks of a follower deal of what it means to follow Jesus. But what in particular does he hear about this new church? We find it in verse 4 and verse 8. The writer says we've heard about your faith in Christ and your love for all, your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. We've heard about your love for all God's people, verse 4, and your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you, verse 8. Interesting. He hasn't heard about how holy they are. He hasn't heard about their amazing understanding of the Bible or how they followed the Jewish laws or the new moon festivals or this, they don't do that, or they don't do this. He hasn't heard about that. He hasn't heard about how um, they have been up on the new religious things of the society. No, he hasn't heard about any of that stuff. What he's heard is their love for others that the Holy Spirit has given them. Love for others, not meaning like niceness to each other. They weren't just nice to each other. We talk here, we have this value of accepting community. And what we mean by that is not like we're just going to be nice to each other and it's not like we're going to be like, oh, dude, everything goes. Like, oh, you read a little Eckhart Tolle? Oh, that's awesome. Oh, you, lead, read, you pull a little Gandhi? Oh, that's awesome. You do that? Oh, no problem. It's not like anything goes. It's just that we withhold judgment from other people. Everybody's on a journey. And if we're on a journey towards Christ, and and we're at different places, then we trust that the Holy Spirit's going to figure it out for people. And we might have some guidance along the way. We might ask some questions along the way. But we're going to withhold judgment. And that's what he's saying here. He's saying love for others isn't just niceness. It's withholding judgment. Love for others isn't just like, Having gooey feelings for each other, we're super excited for Mike and Meredith and their engagement. That's awesome. But if they think like just having gooey feelings for each other is going to make it, all you married people in the house are like, oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> it's not happening. <laughs> no, we value authentic people. That's wh- that's what we say around here, and what we mean by that is as we honestly, as we appropriately, as we more and more um, progressively disclose the real us. Not several different versions of us, but just the true us. As we do that, and as we do it in the Holy Spirit, we realize that not everybody might like that person that we show. And that's okay, because it's not about niceness and it's not about liking. We might come from different places, have different things, and, and as some of my friends say, we might not click with each other. And that's Okay? We don't have to be best friends. That's not saying that these people in Colossae were best friends. What it's saying is that there's a service to one another. There's a sacrificial, there's a sacrifice that goes on to one another. There's a unity that goes on with one another. That's what Paul has heard about. And so as he goes through the letter... Um, Over the next few weeks, we're going to camp out in this Colossians 3, chapter 3, verses 12 to 17, as Paul kind of gives some actions and some attitudes about what these new followers should be like. And one of those verses is 14, and it says, you know, over all these actions and attitudes, all these virtues, the one I want you to put on is love. Because love is going to, like, bind them all together. It's going to unify them. So... It's kind of like a belt that holds the rest of your clothes on. And so this love is what he sees. Now, when, when others speak of you and they speak of me, like do we think about what we want them to say? Not that we live for others' approval, but, but if someone were to speak about your life and your faith, what would they say? Would they say, you know... <laughs> That guy, that with the really cool restoration bumper sticker, man, like he loves Jesus. Or, or I have never seen road rage on that person. Um, Would they mention your cross tattoo, or would they mention how you serve at the food shelf to those in need? Would they say that you're a nice roommate to other people, or would they notice how you're constantly giving? how you're constantly serving, how you even do the dishes when they're not yours? Would they say you're a friendly neighbor? You say hi when you walk by. Or would they talk about the time that you brought food over to their house and you prayed with them when one of their family members was sick? For we've heard of your love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. These people in Colossae were learning that the actions and the attitudes of, of lust and greed and lies and selfishness, these are actions and attitudes that tear families apart and tear communities apart. And, and yet, when, when the love of God, when faith in Jesus comes in, when the Holy Spirit comes in, those are replaced by truth and kindness and patience and love and forgiveness and love. Regardless of how much we are like them, regardless of how much they like each other, regardless of how nice they are. So, when you look at your life, because it really doesn't matter what somebody else thinks, but as you ask the Holy Spirit about your life in the place where you're at right now, how's your love for others? It's really easy to say, man, I have an amazing love for others that the Holy Spirit's given me when I'm very far away from you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. But, I mean, think about what are the downfalls of Twitter or Facebook or whatever for that matter is I can look really good from a distance. I can just disclose, like, the best parts of me. Because because I'm over 30 and I'm not going to write like, really bad things and post them forever to my, you know, for you all to see and be like, wow, Rob doesn't have any emotional intelligence here. No, I'm just going to show you the best parts. Isn't that what we do? We just show people the best parts of us when we're at a distance. It's when we get up close and personal that people find out the real us, they find out that we have flaws, they find out we have little jagged edges, as we like to say. So, when we get up close and personal, when you see all the parts of my life, now how do I look? Now how do we look? See, that's why this writer wants to stress to these new Jesus people that they have to live different than the rest of the people from town. That if they're just living like the Jews, or they're living like the Greeks, or they're living like whoever there's no difference then people aren't going to they're not going to know that Jesus is different. They're not going to know that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth and that Jesus is the life. That's why I think that that this love for others is like the true mark as we go through the rest of the things that we talk about in the weeks to come that it's the true mark. It's not I'm not saying that it's that comes above believing in Jesus. No. No, Paul the writer here says We've heard about your faith in Christ. We've heard that, that your faith is about Jesus being king of your life, king of the world, and, and that's first. And so if you're not in a place where you're like, you know, I just don't know if Jesus is king of my life and king of the world, um, I think he's just a, another consultant at my roundtable of philosophers. Um, then that's not, that's not what this guy's saying. But if Jesus is king of the world and he's king of my life and king of your life, then then the Holy Spirit comes into our heart and changes us and produces this kind of heart and mind and action that we might call others-focused love that goes beyond niceness, that goes beyond let's just like each other. And that's why I think that, that church cannot be just me and god and and church as we call it in north america can't just be about sunday morning it has to include others it has to get up close and personal. It has to find those jagged edges of our life, not to judge us, not to point fingers, but to say, like, all of my life matters, and all of my life matters to God. That's why life groups are so important, and you can still sign up for one. You can put it on your card today. Um, that's why we're doing lunch after this and having time where we just sit and eat together and get to know each other, because we're saying it's, it goes beyond Sunday, Morning. That's why we go and do service. That's why we try and practice this love at Westview and in the community and all over the place. Not because we want to look good for God, but because that love for others that comes from the Holy Spirit changes us. I mean, just, just stop and think about the world that we live in. Don't we live in a place where Jesus is just one ethical teacher among many? For most of the world, when we have a conversation with someone about Jesus that's not a Christ follower, don't they just say, you know, I really love his ethic. I really love his morals. You know, he's a great pacifist. Man, he was loving. And my response would be, ask Jesus to show me your hands. Because if there's not some marks of nails, then it's not Jesus. This amazing ethical teacher claimed to be the Son of God and died on a cross to set us right with God. He's not just one ethical teacher among many. He's the King of the world. He's the Lord of Lords. And that's why if you continue to read Colossians, you'll hear Paul talk about this in verse 15 and on if you want to read this week or you want to discuss it in your group. He says he's the one above all others. Not in an arrogant way, just in a way that says this Jesus is the main thing. You think about the world where, where Jesus is just one ethical teacher among many. You think about the world where, where Christianity isn't really respected anymore, where Christianity doesn't really have a lot of credibility anymore. Where, where we go stand on a street corner and put up our little milk carton and shout about how much God loves us and how much he hates and I don't think you're going to get a lot of listeners. But if we're radically generous, if we're radically, radically loving, if we love beyond like, if we love beyond sameness, if we love beyond what's comfortable, I think the world will notice I think that difference will be noticed. I mean, just think, one thing that I I think about is what if restoration didn't exist anymore? What if we weren't here? Like, would the community notice? Because the thing I long for more than anything else is for someone who's not a Christian to hear about us and say, man, You know, I heard about their faith in Christ and their love for others that had to come from God. It's not my ultimate longing, but it's my hope and my goal. My ultimate longing comes from God, comes from seeing his glory come, comes from seeing the Savior with his outstretched hands, with nails, marks in them to say, come, well done, good and faithful servant, that comes with a faith that doesn't require any self produced effort, but just a humble, faithful yes. So, how's your love for others? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you have a way of piercing to the heart of the matter just like your word says here from this writer, I've heard about these people's love for others that had to come from you. Um, God, we don't want to be, we don't want to try and love others so it looks like we have a faith, just like we don't want to try and act religious so it looks like we have faith. God, we just want to have faith in you that that then your spirit produces a difference in us. God, we want to be people that are different, not for the sake of being different, but for the sake of that you have changed us. And yet, sometimes we admit that it's really hard to love this hard, that it's so much easier to look like we love from a distance, That's so much easier to love others that are like us or love others that we like but god push us beyond what we know beyond what we can bear so that it's obvious that your spirit has produced this in us god i pray for us as a community that we could figure this out that we would have a love for others that that goes beyond niceness that we would have a love for others that goes beyond sameness that That when people see us, not that we live for their approval, but they would say, wow, I heard about their love for others. God, so that you can continue to, that you will continue to change lives, to transform. We put our confident trust, our hope in you, that you produce that. There are places in our lives where... That's not the case. The shadows, the places that we don't want to know, God, we just humbly bring them to you as we sing the song. We, we put those into your hands. We confess them to you. God, for those of us who, who haven't made you king of our life, who haven't acknowledged that you're king of the world, we just stop to consider what it would mean for you to be that in our life.